Nadim Aslam is the author of two previous novels, both of which were long listed for the Man Booker Prize, Maps for Lost Lovers, winner of the Kiriyama Prize, and a New York Times notable book, and Season of the Rainbirds. He's also a recipient of a Lannan Literary Fellowship, born in Pakistan. He now lives in England. Welcome to the Bibliophile. Thank you very much for having me. I'd like to, uh, if we could, look at technique, uh, simply because this is what I think is most striking about what has been said about you. I would think that uh, the most striking thing about my books are my books. The writer is the incidental thing. The things which I think I know what you're referring to, when I gave the very first interviews, I was very young and you tell the journalists those things and then they go into your file which means that then they are available for all the subsequent interviewers to look up. That is how it works. They must, they have to do their homework and what have you. So I stopped talking about them very soon after I began to give interviews uh, because I was uncomfortable with the idea of talking about myself because I thought when an interviewer comes to talk to me my book would be the primary thing. But I do understand that a writer's life is important in giving us an extra layer of understanding and giving us an extra layer of meaning of what the book means and how it's put together, of course, yes. Yeah. I would say that it's a bit like a triangle with the book itself, the text, the reader, and the writer's life. And it's up to the uh, it's up yes. to the reader to delve into your life or not. I agree. I agree. And it's, th- this is not to say that I don't think my life is in my books. All three of my novels, even though they are not, especially this one, which is about Russian characters and Soviet, about American characters and Afghanistani characters. And the English wasted, people. the wasted vigil. The wasted vigil, say. indeed. Yes. So there is no Pakistani man in there, but I made it. So my ideas of what friendship is are what animates this book. My ideas of what love is is present in this book. My idea of what hatred is and my idea of what is wrong or right. And those are the things I learned by living my own life. You know, I always say that my life is the roots and the bit of trunk, the bit of stem onto which the novel is grafted. Which is the flower. The, the novel, world. which is where the flowers are, and then where, where, where all the birds are, and where all the bees are, and uh, leaves, and foliage, and, and what have you. And your life is buried <clears throat> in mud? Well, no. It, my life is the quiet thing, which you can ignore if you wish, but it is linked to the glory at the top, as it were. I've read that you live most fully when you're actually writing. Absolutely. It, the idea that a writer or any artist, a singer, a painter, what have you, is doing what he or she is doing because they want to earn money or because they want to earn a million dollars. And that idea is out there. You know, let's mm-hmm. write a book and I'll get a big advance or it'll become a bestseller and I'll get that $10 million. Actually, it is the other way around. But if someone were to come up to you and say, here is $10 million, stop writing the book you're writing you will say to him, go away, keep your money. What I am doing is the important thing. At his or her deepest level, a writer doesn't even have need for publication. What you are trying to do is trying to understand your own life, your own the workings of your own soul. Actually, soul is a religious word. 
So I would use the word consciousness. For me, that is a better word. The workings of my own consciousness and my own place in the world, um, my own response to this phenomenon called human existence. You do your thinking through the actual use of words. Absolutely. um, Working itself out that way. Absolutely. There is no message. I'm not trying to connect with anyone. But I do, one of my deepest beliefs is, and if, if not the deepest belief that I have, is that there is nothing extraordinary about me. I am an ordinary human being. Mm-hmm. So that anything that is true of me is true of six billion other people on this planet. You're trying to come up with universal truths then? Absolutely. This is what... Up, so if you explore your own life with enough intelligence, enough honour, enough uh, uh, um, uh, integrity, you end up talking about the world. There are essential things that are there. And this is what I was trying to explore in the Wasted Vigil, in that these group of people who are at times diametrically opposed to each each other in their views and their political stances. Is it possible for us as human beings to ignore the system, the political economic structures and the political structures and sociological structures into which we are born and concentrate on the basic human notions, the basic human emotions that are common throughout the world. Mm -hmm. So, as I say, I always say that if you blindfolded me and you blindfolded someone from Russia and you fed us strawberries, both of us would know it was a strawberry. Mm -hmm. So, certain things are true. Beyond that, there is history, there are myths, there are national na- nationalisms, and what have you. They can be learned. They can be, as a, as a foreigner, I can create, you were talking about technique. As a foreigner, I can create a Russian character by, first of all, saying that the way I fall in love is the way a Russian man would fall in love. Mm-hmm. The way, what I take to be hate is what a Russian character. So in a way you're, you're getting at what uh, Blake talked about with the in- infinity and the grain of grain of sand as kind of, uh, if, it, if it holds if true I am for the you. Grain of sand, yes, yeah. If I am the grain of sand, the other grains of sand on the beach are the, the other human infinity. beings. Yeah. And yes. And this is why uh, you write to, to, to learn about yourself, but uh, it sounds too that, that the ambition might be then to have readers the similarities that exist between them versus the differences. Absolutely. One of the things I wanted to do in the Wasted Vigil was humanize Afghanistan's story, Afghanistan's history, mm. re- recent history. Yeah. I thought that Afghanistan had been forgotten, and that might come as a strange statement, in that Afghanistan is in the news every day. What do you mean it's been forgotten? Well, it's in the news every day because of what it is doing to the rest of the world. So many Canadian soldiers have been killed by Afghanistan. So many American soldiers have been killed by Afghanistan. So many NATO soldiers have been killed by Afghanistan. Afghanistan gave rise to Al-Qaeda. What the world did to Afghanistan over the past three decades seems to be to be news to most people. And I wanted to tell that story. And And how do you do that? You create a character and you make him or her recognizably human. That he or she is a mother we all know what a mother feels like towards her son. He or she is a son. We all know what a son is to a father and what a, what a friend is and what a lover is. So you create all these things. First and foremost, you create this total human being 
so that when some when a non afghan picks up the book there is recognition there you think i understand that people living in this landscape are i recognize the, these emotions then when i bring in war then i bring in that a bomb exploded and the son died the way the mother reacts is understood to every mother on this planet so this is what you are as a writer you're trying to do first of all try to pull the reader in into this character make them care for it and then people keep coming up to me and saying that there were times when they were so frightened for these characters that they stopped reading because they were so upset by what happened and I, and i say to them that is what happened and you've succeeded as an author absolutely absolutely i got a letter the other day and it was an extraordinary document a woman wrote to me from england saying mr aslam i've stopped reading your book at certain at certain such a page and such at that episode and i demand to know what why you think you can upset me that way <laughs> why and uh, and i know that it was the talk about dev- devolving uh, responsibility <laughs> yeah I couldn't understand what was and when I looked at it that scene was where um my lead character Marcus's hand is cut off mm-hmm. by the Taliban I don't want to give any more away but you know these things happened I don't know whether I have a right to make but once you pick up a book it's a contract you yes. know it's, yes. it's so it's totally unreasonable and so the um, question then is or one of them that uh, that arises here is Now you may have said said this is a very young uh, man, a uh, young writer, but this is the novel uh, prior to this one that t- that took so many Maps years. The Lost Lovers, yes. After after two years you stopped writing the novel altogether in order to develop 100-page biographies I did. of the main characters and uh, the question then is Aristotle put plot ahead of character. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the most successful way for a writer to get the kind of reaction that you got in that letter. I think there are many ways into that into a house called a novel as it were. There are many doors. So if I can just do, do, do that image. When I begin a novel, I see this house, but the door is locked from the ins- someone from the inside. I try the handle, I try to go around into the back garden to see if the back door is open i try to look in through the windows look, look past the gauze curtains i want to inhabit that novel i want to inhabit that world so that i can begin to know what's going on inside the house and that's the house is the novel and i see movement some things are happening in the rooms but i can't see clearly there is clearly something going on these are vague stirrings the very initial stirrings of when i'm beginning a novel and i look up at the walls to see if i can scale the roofs to to try to get in then as the days weeks and months pass the door is opened from the inside by one of the characters he or she lets me in and then he guides me saying this is the room where we sit down to eat that's my mother that's my husband these are my children these are the stairs that go up to the top room so yes so that is how i work so that's how at least i visualize at the moment looking back after certainly with the waste vigil this new book and the novel previously maps lost lovers it was a subject matter was the first thing that came to me that i said i want to write a novel about afghanistan mm-hmm. and then you begin to create human characters so that you can affect you can effectively tell the story of afghanistan how do i 
for want of a better word, control the reader's reaction. You want him or her to feel certain things about Afghanistan. You well, want you know, them to be outraged. You want them to feel grief-stricken. So how do I do that? How do I... So that is... But I think with these two books, the subject matter was the first thing that came to me. So to answer your, your, your question, yeah. It sounds to me then that, like, you've you developed the character. And, and I think what you're replicating is my experience as a reader. I want to get to know the character. If I empathize with that character, if I'm able to relate to that character... If I buy into that character, yeah, then absolutely. I become very concerned mm. and interested in what happens absolutely. to that character. Yeah, yeah. But you have to get to know that character first, and then what? Do they tell you their story, which is the plot? Is that sort of how it works? Uh, well, with this book, it was because it is also, as I, as I said, I was tr- trying to tell the story of what the world did to Afghanistan in the last three years. Which meant that in 1979, when the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan, I needed a character through whom I could experience the invasion. That person would tell the story first person, or...? No, it's a... I mean, first of all, it's a story. You, you must remember, I'm, I'm not writing a history book. It's a novel. Mm-hmm. So this character was sitting in this room, and the Soviet soldiers burst in, meaning it was December 1979. So I have to make it convincingly, why would the Soviet soldiers come into this man's house? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So... Motivation, there has to be a motivation. Absolutely, yes, or a cause. I mean, you know, the Soviet soldiers were running around all over Afghanistan. I need to know why they came into Marcus Caldwell's house that night. In the first chapter, I tell you that uh, his daughter was taken away. Then why was she taken away? Then you begin to think along those lines. With this book, certainly, the scaffolding was quite obviously the historical one. As I said, I needed 1979. I needed America's involvement. Therefore, I needed American, an American character, yeah. so that through whom I could tell what the CIA did. Now, that character has to be flesh and blood. It can't be a spokesperson for what the America was, uh, what uh, America was doing. Otherwise, you wouldn't care. Otherwise, that woman would not have written me the letter. Do you understand? Yeah, so I have to make him. So I have to make you care for David, or make make you hate him, or whatever. With this book, that was the process. In the last book, that was not the process because there was no history. In, in the last book, I was trying to tell the story of a family. You could say that that novel could work in an ahistorical setting as well, you know. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I think that even The Wasted Vigil, if you then took away the scaffolding and you made it a novel about the war, full stop, any war, there are there is some universal... This is an anti-war book. Mm-hmm. You know, I could set this book in Iraq. I could set a book like this in the Second World War. It transcends uh, time. At some point, because the characters, uh, you you begin with that historical moment and you think, I want to explore this through these characters. How can I do it? And because it is a novel, you want the characters to be recognizably human. You want it to be... Story you want to tell it in beautifully, or you want to control the reader's attention. That not yet. I don't want you you to know uh, about this aspect of this character yet. Just wait. Suspense. Uh, yes. So uh, when all of these things come in, you could ultimately take the scaffolding away and the building stands, mm-hmm. and it is a anti-war monument, as it were. And in fact, that that's a, a point that they. Uh, that's made in this conversation uh, as to whether or not character 
uh, or plot should uh, should take precedence. What has been said and argued is that, and you've just made the argument, you can take the scaffolding or the plot away, but you can't take the characters away. Absolutely, yeah. they have to be, yes, yeah. yes. I'm speaking with Nadim Aslam, an award-winning novelist whose latest work is entitled The Wasted Vigil. I see in your writing uh, craftsmanship and attention to detail, and in fact, so much so that, uh, and again, this may have been something you said as a young man, but that you, you write in longhand and that you've sometimes taken uh, 70 pages, it says here, uh, and whittled it down to one sentence. When I read that, that's exactly what Flaubert did. Okay, right. Well, that actually was from Maps for Lost Lovers that I wanted to... I became interested so much in the mother character in Maps for Lost Lovers, Gokhub, who is this uh, devout Muslim woman and whose religion, whose devotion to her religion has alienated everyone around her. And I wanted to test her, so I kept throwing things at her to see how she would dodge this stone and how would she behave if her daughter left her husband. How would she behave if her son married a non-Muslim? How would she behave if her husband had an affair? Your own research, in a way. It's going on within your own brain, but you don't know how she's going to react until you actually write it? It was interesting to explore, because step by step, once you get to know the character, as I said, I stopped after after two years of writing the book, I stopped working on the forward momentum of the plot of Maps for Lost Lovers. Mm. And I said, now I'm going to write the biographies of these characters. And that took about four years, I think. A hundred-page biography of each of the seven or eight main characters. Incidentally, did you? was there any thought of publishing those biographies to those companions to the book? No, no, no. No, no. okay. It's, it's <laughs> but, I mean, people who love the book might be fascinated <laughs> in reading it. Uh, no, but I think it's all there. Okay. It's, um, it's all there, e- even though those words are not there. I will c- come to that in a minute. And, and I think that leads to the question of, I was whittling 70 pages down to one sentence. So once I knew who this woman was, once I knew her for 100 pages, and I knew how, what, what her husband was, what the sons were, and what the daughter was, and what the neighbors were like, what the town was like, it didn't matter what situation I created. I immediately knew how Kaka would react. It didn't matter. I knew what she would think if her son came home and said, I'm going to marry a non-Muslim. Because I had lived with her for four years, as it were, mm-hmm. thinking about her, trying to put her together. So it was a, I knew how the father would behave. I knew how the, both of the sons would behave and the daughter would behave. So yes, there is that. So I became so interested in, in her that I said, let me put another extreme thing in front of her, that I will kill the husband. Let me see how she would cope with being a widow. And, and I wrote 70 pages. This is two-thirds of the way through the novel. I wrote the novel as in, in which the husband had died and she was a widow. But by about page 70 of her widowhood, I realized that I wasn't really learning anything new about her. That I had learned everything about how she would behave by her son coming home and saying, I'm going to marry a non-Muslim. Or the daughter saying, I'm leaving my husband that you arranged, that whose marriage you arranged with me. So whatever new insight I got into her character through her widowhood wasn't enough for the absence that the dead husband left in the novel. So you almost had to work it through to the end before you could come up with a a way of writing the novel. I realized after 70 pages of her widowhood... Too bad you couldn't do that in real life. (laughs) Yes, indeed. 
that actually I've learned my lesson. Now I want to go back yeah, and begin. I don't like from that. Where I made that mistake. Yeah. The road to not travel. But as I say, as someone says in, in the Wasted Vigil, stories are how we learn our actions. Stories are how we judge our actions before we carry them out. How do you mean? We make up stories we read, no, and no, make no, believe before we, we, we no, do it? No, no, no. We read a story to think, if I do this, that's the consequence. Oh, so we're learning from other so people's... Absolutely, act, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That is what I mean, which is yeah. what happens. So I realized that her faith was so strong that no matter what I threw at her, she would go. She would cope. Yes. yes. I mean, she would make yes. her own life miserable. She would make everyone else's life miserable. But she would go on uh, because she, she had him up, up there in the sky. Mm-hmm. She had God to, to hold on to. And that is the one sentence I got out of it. Which is, and that is the last sentence which we hear from her in the novel. And I, can't, uh, I, I don't have a copy of the book with me, so I could tell you the page, but it is right towards the end. And she says that it is not up to us to say to God, why? All we can say to him is, help. And that's the last time we see the mother. And what about getting angry yeah. at God? Can, you, can she, get, can she well, do no, that? No, no, but you see, that is not her kind of faith. So when she begins to get angry, saying, why? Why did you do this? Why did you kill my husband? Why did, did you make my sons do this? And why did you make my daughter do this? Why is my life the way it is? Her faith is so strong that she realizes, I can't question God. All I can say to him is, if this is the situation you've dropped me in, now help me through it. That's the last thing we hear from her. Summing up. That is what religion is. Which is interesting, uh, sorry, because you, you make reference to the fact that you don't have messages in your books. Writers have always got into trouble with people who think they know the answer. And there's no message in your book. Your writing is a way of, again, exploring your life and the workings of your own consciousness. Which is what I'm saying. If there is a message, I didn't put it there. And if there is a message, it's there because I'm like everyone else. Well, uh, I'm not sure you're like everyone else when I read. And you know those things I said when I was was younger about living in a... In a room with the black curtains and, yes. and not going out of Yes, I mean, it sounded like Proust there. Cockline study. Maybe you're better suited in France. Or Yorkshire, <laughs> where I live. I didn't mean that that is not part of what I am. It's, uh, that's how I, I make my books. Well, that's who you were. And during the last six months of the Wasted Vigil, I didn't see anyone. I didn't see a single human being. I slept during the day and I wrote at night. And during the night I would leave messages on my brother and sister-in-law's answering machine because they were asleep to say my food has run out can you please bring me some food so during the day when I would be asleep they would quietly come into the cottage and fill my freezer you feel that this is the way that you're able to what, intensely concentrate and finish at the moment, at the moment I feel that at the moment yeah. I feel that yeah. tomorrow I might feel slightly differently but yeah. I mean the way the video was written over a period of four years and I didn't for whole four years. It's, uh, I did it for the last six months when I needed to fall very deep into the book, into the characters. And by that, when I say that I like to isolate myself, I hope it's clear from my novels that I'm a political creature. I'm someone who deeply is engaged with the world. It's just that there comes a point in the writing of the novel that I have to isolate myself. I don't want to be away from the world. I want to be part of the world, part of the trying to find some solutions for the horrors of the world. And the book is, especially this, is quite difficult. That There are some very horrifying things in this book, 
Perhaps we could get to, to get to them. First of all, let me just say that, that I, I can relate to what you say. You know, if there's a, a task that you have to finish, it's as if everything else is just irritating and in the way, and mm. you have to concentrate on it. Indeed. And in your case, to the exclusion of, of everything. Indeed. Other than, I suppose, nature. I mean, I imagine Indeed. you... Indeed, yes. Yes, the things that are in the novel, they are what interest me. So you say nature and... Uh, I doubt very much if I do any research. The things that are in the novel, painting, music, the way the natural world works, they are what interest me. Before starting the conversation, we talked about the defacing of the giant Buddha statues and how upsetting that was to anyone who cared about beauty and art. And of course, I mean, there's a Buddha in my novel, and on the day that the Taliban blew up the Bamiyan Buddhas, the, the twin Buddhas in the valley of Bamiyan in Afghanistan, is the day that they come into the fictional house in my novel to try to destroy the head of the Buddha, that the giant head of the Buddha, that lies half submerged on the floor of the perfume factory. But when they fire bullets into it, it begins to bleed liquid gold and then they become frightened and they run away. By having the Buddha, the stone Buddha, bleed liquid gold, I don't mean to imply that Buddhism in any way is to be treasured, is the, is the treasure that is more important than Islam, which is the current religion of, of Afghanistan. Buddhism was the past religion of Afghanistan. No, my, the Buddha is there because I think the past must be acknowledged. You cannot ignore the past. If this novel was set in Canada, in the basement of the perfume factory, we won't have a Buddha has had. We'll have something to do with the Native American artifacts as well. You know, the, the past must be acknowledged. And the yeah. Taliban said that only one book was allowed to exist in the world, which was the Quran. Yeah. And everything else, Shakespeare, Homer, doesn't matter what, must be burned. So the character in my novel becomes so frightened by this thought that she will have to be separated from her book, have to live without books, that she nails her books to the ceiling in in the house. So at the opening of the novel, when a Russian character comes into the house, we see the house for the first time through her eyes, and she actually is holding up a giant mirror in front of her, and she's examining the ceiling for all the books that are up there. That's an amazing Um, uh, image. Again, that was a comment, that I don't want to live in a world where the Quran is the only thing. Mm or Homer is the only thing, or the Gita is the only thing, or the Bible is the only thing. I cannot pretend that other cultures don't exist, or that other religions don't exist. I'm speaking with Nadim Aslam. His latest novel is The Wasted Vigil. It's an interesting point because when you look at modern-day America, the thing that's disturbing is the fact that so many Americans are completely ignorant of what their own country has done in this part of the world. Absolutely. To the point where when they were attacked, it was as if they were... Absolutely. That it was a, a historical moment. Well, that they where were, did they come from? Exactly. Yeah, what did we do to deserve yeah, this? Well, that is why I wrote the novel. You know, that, as I said, it wasn't an ahistorical moment. The shock was the actual spectacle itself. The buildings falling down and... Uh, Fed into the media, which yes. is so... Yeah, that was the shock. To that that was the shock. The yeah. fact that people existed who wanted to do those things was not a shock at all. Not to the rest of the world, it was only to the Americans. Yeah. And then, you know, one must find out about what one's own country is doing in other places. One of the reasons why I wanted to write this book was that is it possible for a country to go into another country 
play its geopolitical games, withdraw, and expect there not to be any consequences. When the Soviet Union was defeated in Afghanistan in 1989, when they withdrew and the Soviet Union fell apart, America came back thinking, we have won. Now the consequences of those billions of dollars of worth of weapons that were poured into Afghanistan were immediate for the Afghan people themselves. Hundreds of thousands of war orphans were created, millions of people died, millions ended up as refugees in Iran and Pakistan. But here in the West, because that was so far away, it didn't matter, you know. It took, as I said, 11 more years for the consequences to become apparent for the rest of the world. It's interesting how unaware most or many in America mm. are of the anger that exists yeah. because of the way they've behaved around the world, I mm. suppose. Yes, and not just the Americans. No one out there, certainly in the tragedy of Afghanistan, is innocent. Mm -hmm. The Saudi Arabians matched America dollar for dollar. They sent jihadi boys over there through Pakistan. Pakistan itself. The idea is that Pakistan got ruined or, or Pakistan was press ganged into supporting the Mujahideen by the CIA. You know, what could America have done back in 1979 if President Zia of Pakistan had said, no, you cannot go through my country to give weapons to the Mujahideen? What could the Americans have done? Nothing. If you remember, it was the those were the years of the Cold War. America was terrified that the weapons they were supplying to the Mujahideen will become known as American weapons. They were scratching serial numbers of the weapons. They were acquiring weapons from China, from they were, you know, so that they could not be traced back. Yeah. It was only until the mid '80s, when the Stingers were sent in, which was a recognizably American we weapon, that the Americans decided we don't care. We don't care if the Soviet Union knows we are supporting the Mujahideen. Up until the mid 1980s. So for Pakistan to say that we are forced into doing it, that isn't true. And of course, I, um, the Afghan people themselves are implicated. These warlords who are running around even now. This idea that the, the contract exists between tribe and tribe. No, a contract exists between human and human. That is what you do. And this is where perhaps there are ideas like democracy come in. And this is why yeah. you're writing the book. Absolutely. To get to the human level, which Absolutely. is, you say that you write to explore your own life and the workings of your own consciousness, mm -hmm. and yet this book is, is highly political. I live in this world and I'm upset by the events of this world. I'm grief-stricken by the events of this world. So mm -hmm. I must try to see how to cope with that grief, how to cope with that rage even, you know, to yes. go back to what I always quote Czeslaw Milos, the great Polish poet who says, you know, who wrote a poem about... Stalin after Stalin had Mandelstam killed. You who wronged a simple man, bursting into laughter at a crime, kept a pack of fools around you to mix good with evil, to blur the line. Do not feel safe, the poet remembers. You can kill one, but another is born. The words are written down, the deed, the date. That's what I see my job as, to write down the words, the deed, and the date. They think they have got away with it, well, not in the pages of my books. Well, very well said. Well, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I've been talking with uh, Nadim Aslam. He's the author of two previous novels, both of which were long-listed for the man Booker. His uh, most recent is The Wasted Vigil, published in the United States by Doubleday. In the United States by Knopf. And by Knopf and, and here in Canada by 
Bond Street Books. Right. Double Day Canada. Double Day Canada. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Thanks again. Thank you.